Hi everyone, and welcome to Oscar Wilde, a podcast about film, always counting down to next year's Oscars. I'm Sophia Simonello. And I'm Nick Rokrout. And today, our episode will focus on two recent releases that are also big crowd pleasers and primed for Oscar nomination success, I think. Those movies are Kenneth Branagh's Belfast and Reynaldo Marcus Green's King Richard. Belfast has been in the conversation a lot since it's run a lot of the film festivals and a lot of the industry has seen it already. And that was released last week. King Richard will be released tomorrow. So we'll finally get like mass public opinion then. But so far, pretty positive reviews for both of these. I agree. I will share all of my thoughts later on. I will not be as nice as you were during that intro. But I think it is interesting that these are two of the biggest picture contenders, and I'm looking forward to talking about why that is. Similarly to the structure of our Dune episode, we will be, for each of these movies, doing a brief summary and review, going over background information, and then we'll be diving right into our Oscar predictions and discussions, so possible categories where we think this can get nominated, maybe snubs or in your case just misses that are deserved for some of these so let's get started with belfast description here a semi-autobiographical film that chronicles the life of a working class family and their young son's childhood during the tumult of the late 1960s in the northern ireland capital this was written and directed by kenneth Branagh. it stars jude hill katrina balf jamie dornan kieran hines and judy dench So far, just awards and festival-wise, it won the coveted People's Choice Award at TIFF. It's also won audience awards at the Middleburg Film Festival, Mill Valley, Montclair, and Newport Beach. Thinking about the British Independent Film Awards, which came out, it was nominated for Editing, Actress for Balfe, Supporting Actor for Hines, Supporting Actress for Dench, Breakthrough Performance for Hill, Casting, Cinematography, costume design, makeup and hair, music, and production design. Misses there, we do not see screenplay, director, or picture. Just noting that. So, I think this is going to be a different kind of review than people are expecting, because most people love this movie, with the exception Mm -hmm. of a few critics. But people love it. It's an audience award winner and... I have not heard a single person who said they hate this movie. So we might be breaking new ground today. (laughs) What was your (laughs) general reaction? I'm just teeing the audience up because this is going to be like a bomb dropping. So, Um, yes, thank you for that. Thank you for warning everybody because I will will just say that hate is such a strong word, (laughs) but I... (laughs) as I've distanced myself from it, really dislike this movie. And part of that is because of the hype and because so many people love it. I had pretty mm-hmm. high expectations. People saying it's a best picture front runner and that Kenneth Branagh should be in director and screenplay and sound and all these categories. And I was just like, where are you seeing this on the screen? From the minute it started with the color and it goes to black and white, I was so disconnected from this story. And is it for older audiences? Like maybe I'm just not the key viewer here. How did you feel about it? So I don't really think there is a key viewer. I feel like everyone kind of likes it. I mean, maybe 
your heart needs to thaw. Like maybe it's frozen over, <laughs> made of stone. I don't know. Like it didn't work for me all the time. But there were scenes that really just like, I don't know what it was. I think just like a personal connection to being raised by like parents who love movies and having like a grandma like he does who would like take me to movies like that really hit me. And I did cry quite a bit in this movie. So I think I'm wondering like, when you saw this, did you just have like, oh my god, this could beat Dune in the back of your mind, and that was part of the problem? Do you? Because th- I just have, I have a hard time thinking like you couldn't connect with any of it as someone who likes movies because this was based on Cinema Paradiso, which I know you love or inspired by, rather not based on. At no point during this movie was I comparing it to Dune, or worried that people thought it was better, or they're very different movies. But I think a lot of what he was doing was so heavy handed and like trying to force an emotion out of the audience. And that I have difficulty with. Like, yes, I like the references to like American pop culture and the movies and how close knit their family was. You know, they went to the movie theater so many times. But apart from him showing all of these things that influenced him, I didn't see them going anywhere. Like, how did the cinema affect him or? Like, yes, that's Kenneth Branagh and he makes movies, but I needed that to go somewhere apart from like, oh my God, yes, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is fun and like they had a great time. But the magic ended at the end of that movie theater scene for me. So part of my problem with the movie actually was that like as I've gotten further away from it is that I think it's actually too short. We have a pacing problem and a runtime problem. Because this movie felt long, which I didn't expect being Mm -hmm. that short. But also, I think it needed some more time to, like, give us a better understanding of these characters. Because he's using this, like, rose-colored glasses perspective, we look at it through Buddy's eyes. It is limiting, and it is also broad. And when something is that broad, you can't really dig into specifics of, like, why things are happening or why certain characters are behaving in certain ways. I actually think the strongest aspects of the movie are when they're in the movie theater. (laughs) And anytime Katrina as Ma is like dealing with her marriage to Jamie Dornan's character, I wanted to know more about that. But because we're in Buddy's point of view, I guess it's purposeful that it's limiting because we can only hear what he sees But I don't know if this movie benefits from it being in his perspective, because ultimately we just get this like warm crowd pleaser. We don't really get anything about the drama that's going on in Belfast at the time in Mm -hmm. this religious conflict. Speaking to your point quickly about the movies, though, I saw the connection because I think anytime a kid is going through something that's life altering or traumatic and they have something positive there to influence them, that's always going to be something they remember. Those moments in the movie are in color. Like, that's what he knows. That's what he remembers from this time. Whereas, like, the black and white, and we can get to this when we talk about cinematography and whether or not the black and white was effective, but those really vivid moments, specifically in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, I feel like that's how he's showing us what stayed with him from going to the movies during that time in his life. I definitely agree about your point about having the movie from his perspective, because I think that leaves us asking too many questions. Like when Katrina's character is reading those confidential notes that I'm assuming are from Janie Dornan's character, we kind of just have to assume what they are. 
And that was limiting for me. And there are a couple instances of this happening throughout the movie. And like, I get it. But again, it kept me from connecting to these characters who were otherwise made to be very loving and warm. But they almost felt like caricatures because they weren't given enough time to operate. Like the grandparents who were there and you know that Papa, played by Kieran Hines, is sick and he's going to the hospital and like you know what's going to happen there. And then the grandmother, Judy Dench, is at home and she cares a lot for Buddy, but that's kind of it for me. I really, I don't know what to tell you. I'm kind of surprised only because I view this movie as just fully harmless. Like it's just a nice, sweet story with this adorable little boy. Did he do nothing for you in his school uniform? He was so cute. He was so funny. He's a good child actor. But to your point, like harmless, cute, great. Yes, but like I'm surprised because I think like when I go into like a harmless cute movie, I'm at least like warmed by it. Like when I saw Clifford, like it. (laughs) Yes, I'm comparing this to Clifford, the big red dog. I'm at least like, okay, that was like a good time. Do I think it's the most like groundbreaking movie ever? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. No, I don't think it's a masterpiece. But I went into this movie with very low expectations, actually, because I knew that if I went in thinking like, oh, best picture frontrunner, like this is going to be amazing. I was probably not going to like it. But I just was like, instead, I thought, okay, Kenneth Branagh's work is all over the place. To me, he will always be Gilderoy Lockhart, who cheated on Emma Thompson. Like, I need to just go into this as a movie as is. And, I mean, I enjoyed my time because I didn't see it as, like, some movie that's going to be on people's sight and sound top 10 polls at the end of every year. You don't think it will? I didn't go into it expecting that. Like, I tried to... I really removed myself from any thoughts of that I think it is confusing to me that it will end up and on places like that because Mm -hmm. this movie is just like it's just a drama that you take your family to see at Thanksgiving it's fully harmless it's not doing anything bad like Green Book is it's not problematic it's just nice I don't I don't know it's I didn't expect more from it than that and that's kind of what I got it's not adding anything to cinema either like it's not doing anything new I wanted it to Do more, do something. But I do think the way it captures the conflict going on between the Catholics and the Protestants is its strongest element. I think the whole villain of the guy... Oh my God, that was the weakest (laughs) part for me. (laughs) It was like, we are just pretending this is not real right now. This is just not happening. I mean, it was happening, obviously, but it's not that. It's a movie about someone not wanting to move away from their home they've known forever. Yeah, I mean, it's not about the conflict, but I think that being an element of this story. There are so many disjointed elements, but I think that's like the greatest through line here. The villain of the man from the neighborhood who's trying to rally the other Protestants is a bit too black and white, no pun intended for me. But I think for that population or that audience, they're really going to like seeing that on screen because it isn't told that often. Mm -hmm. I think the last time... I had heard about this was from The Ferryman on Broadway oh my God, a few I years ago. I loved The Ferryman. Oh, <laughs> wow. And then back to what you said earlier, this did feel like a two plus hour movie for me. <laughs> um, I was so restless by the end. I was like, when is this going to wrap oh up? Oh my Lord. Um, you've seen The Sound of Music, right? 
I believe I've seen the whole thing. Yes. Oh my god. We'll get to that at another time. But the way that they addressed like the historical conflict that was going on in this kind of reminded me of The Sound of Music, how it's just like it's not really what's happening in the story until it's what's happening in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mm-hmm. much more about the relationships and about like leaving a place and finding your home and love and growing up than it is about this man who is a Protestant but won't go with the Protestants and won't fight against the Catholics in the Jamie Dornan character. It's not really about that. That feels much more kind of adjacent to what's happening with Mm -hmm. Buddy and what's happening with the relationship between Ma and Pa and young Buddy kind of growing up at school and around the cinema. So I viewed those as kind of similar. That was also a Best Picture winner, so beware. Anything else you want to say before we get into our Oscar discussion and all of our tech components, performances, things like that? I think getting into that will help explain my issues. So let's let's go ahead with those. You're going to actually murder me at the end, but that's okay. <laughs> God. So I think it's safe to say you would not recommend this movie. I wouldn't, no. This year has been kind of tough, though. I've been pretty hard on movies, and I don't know why, like, if they're all just fine to me, or I'm expecting more. Or maybe it is because I saw Dune and loved it. (laughs) I would recommend this movie. I really think, like, my parents will love this movie. People's grandparents will love this movie. I think most audiences will like it. So I will say that. It's no The Power of the Dog for me, which... I can't wait to talk about next week, but I would still recommend it. It's nice. This would be a 55 and up recommendation for me. The 11 a.m. screenings are going to be packed for this one. (laughs) (laughs) They should only have this like early afternoon, late morning. I love the early bird senior special. It's like my favorite time to go to the movies. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get into our Oscar discussion here. Our first one that we have here is sound which we've talked about a bit before we saw this movie is kind of being like, why is this appearing in sound? It's kind of strange for just Mm -hmm. like a family drama. Why is this here? It is fifth on gold derby currently. And I have to say just what? (laughs) I I don't, I don't really get it. I Mm -hmm. shared this with you. I read that it was rated PG 13 for loud bangs and angry bullies. (laughs) (laughs) I just had to add that in because it's so funny. That's, What did you think of the sound work here? And why do you think it's getting recognized and predicted? I think because it has a few explosions, it is one of those best picture front runners or in the talks for it at least. Mm -hmm. And I think that helps any movie with any technical component to want to be recognized. So apart from the explosions, I think the beginning to me was like, okay, this is it's five minutes of okay we'll show you what we're gonna do but the sound to me was so disorienting it's like a really long take down the street and the camera's doing all sorts of things we'll get there and as it's like craning up the camera the sound is supposed to be coming from different directions and I was like this is not what the sound should sound like so that to me was like I get why this is in discussion but please do not award or nominate it for that I thought the sound design work was great in the raid scenes in particular. I thought that it did really stand out there. Where I did think it was strange was when anytime like Buddy would be listening in on a conversation with adults, 
at first, and this could be a problem with my theater, maybe, but at first the sound would be really quiet. And sometimes then we would get a close up on Buddy and the sound would like turn up and we could all of a sudden hear what Mm. Katrina as Ma was saying, like clearly. And I just was like, Mm -hmm. okay, could he overhear her all of a sudden? Or is this in the sound design so we can hear more clearly? But if this movie is supposed to be mostly from Buddy's perspective, Mm -hmm. why is it doing that? I don't know. That to me was strange. I do think though also like the way that music is used in this movie, the Van Morrison songs and the score and Jamie Dornan's performance of Everlasting Love, which we will get to. I feel like that could also be part of it now that our sound editing and sound mixing categories are combined. That like 40 second scene, is that what you're talking about? The him singing? You are so rude. I love this part of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Leave me alone. (laughs) That scene was just so hyped for me too. And I was so ready like that song just gives me parent trap vibes and i was like yes give it to me they're in love and we'll get there sorry and then talking more about the score also in the beginning we get this establishing shot of the port of belfast and this like really cheesy music so i think the music throughout too i mean in some cases it works but it's almost overly light to me where it affected my mood and how I was feeling with what was going on on screen. Like maybe there's just a lot of juxtapositioning going on and yes, it's Buddy's perspective. So like, obviously it's going to be more cheery as a child. Mm -hmm. He's experiencing, like you said, this trauma, this, this huge event that he's being surrounded by literally at points. But that was something else that I had a little trouble with. Van Morrison is a huge name, but how else do you feel about the score? That music has the tone that Brana is going for with this kind of like warm family vibe. I don't think it's going to get nominated for score, but I do think Down to Joy is very possible for song. It's very out of sync with the troubles and what's happening Mm -hmm. like dramatically there. But again, like I've mentioned before, that's just not where I see his interest being as a filmmaker. He's not... I feel like the troubles are like a backdrop kind of. And he instead is like, I'm going to use this music to show what's happening like with this family and with this child. Mm -hmm. I think what I was thinking of too when I was watching it is like, how would I react to it if it was like a Carter Burwell score? Like something that was like more toned down. What How I would have responded to it then. But like he wants it to be like super saccharine. And that's what Van Morrison is. This is like right in the boomer plus category they will eat this up the music in this movie i'm assuming he grew up listening to van morrison and you know that is his generation so i i get all of that and like van morrison's from belfast so i think that's part of the connection there too that Mm -hmm. he wanted to use but i don't have anything else to add there so let's move on to editing this movie was edited by una nigonila try my best with that pronunciation there she doesn't have any noms yet but right now editing is second on gold derby behind dune what will you do if this beats dune in editing i think this podcast will be over if that happens all right stay tuned for my comments in a little i tease but yeah that can't happen where the editing went wrong for me i think this was another place where 
I had trouble connecting because it wouldn't stay in the same place for long enough for me to care about what was going on. Look at you wanting slow cinema, wanting lingering takes. Maybe I've influenced you positively. I love a long take. I love not the introductory long take here. If we want to talk about what I didn't like about this movie, it was the opening that looked like a corporate retreat opening of Belfast in color. I had no idea what was going on. It was very disorienting. When we got to the black and white, I settled a little bit. But boy, let me tell you, what a way to start a movie for me. Well, it's that camera going over the fence, into the black and white, down the street, over and up and around. And it kind of reminded me like a Weiler Mm. establishing shot. Yeah. Because he is so good at this. There were so many extras for his, but in Belfast too, in that first take, you're seeing everyone walking around, doing their daily errands, Mm -hmm. and then you get the conflict. So it was a feat, but it didn't work for me. I didn't want to upset you by saying this, but a lot of it reminded me of Mrs. Miniver. Like the way that Weiler sets that up, I was like, oh, I think Kenneth Branagh has definitely watched that movie. I thought Mm -hmm. like the Katrina Ma character, very similar to how Weiler wanted Greer Garson to be as Mrs. Miniver. Performances aside, totally different, but just the way that those characters are used and the way he filmed the sets, I was like, someone has been watching a lot of Weiler, especially with the black and white, the way that the conflict is set up. And just a little plug here. If you want to go back, we do have an episode where we talked all about William Weiler and Mrs. Miniver being one of the three movies. Another pod that relates that we've done is the 1987 Oscars when we went through the five best pictures. Mm-hmm. And on that pod, we talked about A movie that really didn't do it for us. A small (laughs) English movie called Hope and Glory. But I will say I liked Hope and Glory more than Belfast. (laughs) Ooh, I also liked Hope and Glory more than Belfast. (laughs) (laughs) Hope and Glory is kind of underrated now that I've seen this. I did think that the editing in the raid sequences in particular, I liked. I do agree with you that the camera does not stay in one place for too long, which that's not my preferred style. I'll say that. But I do think it's going to get a nomination. My favorite part comes later on when Katrina Belf has an emotional scene and like the camera after 15 seconds, I was like, the camera is still on her. Oh my God. Keep going. Keep going. I love this. Like let her cry it out. I want to feel that. And I started to so moving on to cinematography, the DP here is Harris Zamberlukos. I've kind of talked about this a little bit, and editing fits in a little bit with cinematography and some of the long takes, lots of cutting. Did the black and white work for you? We can start there. At some points, yes. Like, I, I thought some mm-hmm. of it was really beautiful. In particular, the everlasting love scene. I love how they lit Katrina, but I don't know why it needed to be in black and white. I agree. And there was also, I found a lot of inconsistency in the black and white, considering, you know, two of my favorite black and white films from the year, as far as cinematography goes, The Tragedy of Macbeth and Passing, those I feel like can justify the use of black and white. And here, Mm -hmm. I didn't really see the need for it other than to highlight the color that was taking place at the cinema that was popping. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, it's okay. Like it 
certain scenes were really pretty, but I I didn't need it to be in black and white. How did you feel about it? I agreed. And when I say the beginning was cheesy, going from color to black and white, the color part in the beginning, aside from the film references, says nothing. Like, I'm assuming that's present day, but nothing is happening in present day. And starting the movie like that made me assume at the end we were going to come back to present day. We're going to get there. (laughs) Another thing that was probably a my theater issue was that it was black and white, but it was almost like a warmer tone on the left and a colder tone on the right. And so I was like, is this how it was supposed to be? Like, I have no idea. I'm assuming not. But that was also very distracting. Mm. So yeah, I didn't have that. That sounds like a theater <laughs> theater problem. <laughs> didn't help the experience. <laughs> no. Do you think this will get a cinematography nomination, or where do you think it kind of stacks up in that field? I hope it doesn't. Will it? Signs say yes, but it's a fifth spot to me. If that, I would one hundred percent put the French Dispatch above this, but that's way lower on Gold Derby ratings than Belfast, which is at four right now. What do you think? I think it could win. I think we need to prepare for that because they love black and white. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, again, love this movie, and we saw what happened last year with Mank. We had Nomadland front runner in the category all year. Thought that was going to win, and they went for the black and white. Definite nomination, I think. If we want to talk about black and white cinematography, Roma did win cinematography that year. So, Are you like, wow, that means it's not going to win picture? That would be nice, wouldn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the Roma comparisons are happening. I do not see this as a sister film to Roma, but... No, but I get why it's in that conversation, yeah. Yeah, black and white personal story. Fun little fact, do you know what the cinematographer also made? Mamma Mia. Yes, he did. (laughs) I saw that and screamed. (laughs) He's also shot a number of Kenneth Branagh films, including Mm -hmm. the upcoming Death on the Nile. So has the editor, yeah. So it Mm -hmm. seems like he works with a pretty close-knit team. Okay, next let's move into screenplay. This screenplay was written by Kenneth Branagh. Gold Derby has it in second right now behind Licorice Pizza. This is the scariest category to me. My God, I am going to be so scared until we have more clues as to what's going to happen of who can win here. But I think it's good to point out here that Kenneth Branagh could set an Oscar nomination record. He's been nominated in five different categories, live action short, director, actor, adapted screenplay, and supporting actor. If he gets an original screenplay nomination and picture, he will be the first person with seven nominations in different categories. Right now, Clooney has the record with six. I'm going to say something here about Warren Beatty, which is that he is the GOAT with different categories because he's been nominated for picture, director, actor, and screenplay twice for two different movies, Reds and Heaven Can Wait. This is a feat that would be pretty exciting for him. I'm going to get ahead of myself a little bit, but when I was watching King Richard, I was like, give Belfast original screenplay and only that and i will be happy no it cannot win original screenplay it cannot (laughs) win original screenplay apart from licorice pizza being there i was like okay fine if there's anything just give it one and be done this no this screenplay is not good no it's not 
but the way it's trying to be this like nonstop one-liner really funny screenplay i get why voters might really be attracted to that and especially for kenneth branagh who has done shakespeare and agatha christie like this is very different for him and now i am just warning you (laughs) in return I just like this to me just isn't a writer's movie. I don't know. I, I It's supposed to go to the most original idea, right? What is original here? I just want PTA to win one. And I feel like this is the best place. And you said on Chasing the Gold that you don't want PTA to be recognized for his writing. You want it to be for directing. Yes. Okay. Yes. But I have to take and what both, I can get. Obviously. But <laughs> <laughs> I have to take what I can get here. I also still have Jane Campion and I want her to win. So well yeah it's a really tough year i do think you're right though like they will respond to the humor in this movie my theater was laughing the whole entire thing and there were certain moments too where i was laughing especially with like the church humor of buddy being this little kid who just didn't understand like why he had to go to church that was very funny to me mm-hmm. i love the scene with him and kieran hines this is also going to make you roll your eyes where they were talking about maths as people in ireland will say and he's like they were talking about that girl i thought that was really sweet Mm -hmm. so i can definitely see it happening so next up is acting we have lots of potential here i was not aware of this fact but jude hill buddy is being campaigned in lead while katrina balf jamie dornan kieran hines and judy dench are all supporting and that is category fraud indeed um this to me just is focus features saying Even though Jude Hill is the star of our movie, he's the least likely here to get a nomination anyway. Since he's a kid, we are going to put him in lead and everyone else who we think has a better shot. Katrina, Jamie, Kieran, Judy, funnel them into supporting. Mm -hmm. Let's get them their nominations. And it's the right move from a campaign perspective. Absolutely. Of these performances, who did you like the most? Or who did you think was the best? Katrina. Easily. I agree. Like, I don't feel like she should win because of this. Yes, I do think she is more of a lead performance, but I think it's really close to supporting. So that would be the only thing that hurts her is that she only has like maybe two big scenes, maybe two or three. And it's just all emotion. Like, it's very hard, which she's very good at. But again, like we said earlier, there's just not enough depth for us to learn about who they are. Who's your favorite? So... Katrina is also my favorite. I'm so biased here, though, because I think I told you this, but Katrina looks exact in this movie looks exactly like how my mom looked when I Mm. was Buddy's age, which just like made me love her even more because I was like, oh, my God, she's like my mom. Mm -hmm. And I thought she was great. She was very fierce. She had a lot of emotion to her. Besides Buddy, this is her movie. But she I don't think she gets enough to do really. The raid scene in particular, that's great for her um, when she tries to get Buddy to go return the laundry mm-hmm. detergent. Her conversations with Pa Jamie Dornan about how she's always lived in Belfast and can't leave. I think that was great. I don't know if she has the best shot of the group to win, but I hope she gets nominated for this. I do too. Do you think Judy's also getting nominated? Yeah, I do, actually. <laughs> so do I. I've been thinking about it, and the way that this movie ends, I think, will stay in voters' minds, and 
she's Judy Dench. She won for her really short performance in Shakespeare in Love, so <laughs> she can 100% get in here. Mm-hmm. That final shot is cringe, I will say. Oh my god. But I did like her performance. She's good. I think she's great. Yeah. I think she deserves a nomination. I think she'll get in here. I think we'll have those two in. What did you think about Kieran Hines and Jamie Dornan? There's not enough for me to want to nominate Jamie Dornan. Yes, he's a hot dad, screams a lot, has his moments, but he is absent for a lot of the movie, and that is the point of his character. But I think Kieran will be a lock. Kieran is my front runner in the category at the moment. I think that he gives a really funny performance. It's a really warm one as well. And he's a character who has a really strong emotional connection with Buddy, our lead. And I can see this character as being the character that moves a lot of people when they're watching this movie. So I have him in the one spot right now. Um, That could change. He's not my personal preference in the category. That's still Cody Mm -hmm. Smith McPhee. But um, I do think that he will get in. Jamie Dornan, what can I say? I'm a weak woman and (laughs) it worked on me. And this probably is my problem. And I don't know if this is how audiences felt. But every time he left, I really was just waiting for him to come back. (laughs) (laughs) But I do think that the way he is portrayed when he's there through Buddy's eyes as being a hero, as being similar to the characters in all of the Westerns that he watches, this Mm -hmm. like really tough man who's going to protect his family. I think that that might work on voters. They might view him in a similar way that Buddy does in the movie. And the everlasting love scene, we will talk about it now. I love it. I, even though it is the same length, basically, as the Twitter clip that was around, it is very short. I wanted it to be longer. I'm not going to complain about a hot person singing to another hot person in a movie. Like, that's, that's great. I want more of that. For me, it was an emotional scene in the movie, especially considering, I think, what's happened up to that point. And he is using it as a campaign tool because he is now performing the song everywhere he goes. That is smart. I can see him getting precursor noms, though, and not getting Oscar. I'd be okay with that. I think spirit-wise, that could definitely happen. Or like SAG even, or like I could Mm -hmm. just see, I could see that. But I will point out, if Katrina, Kieran, Jamie, and Judy all get in, it'll be the first time since 1971 with the last picture show where we had two actresses in supporting from the same movie and two actors in supporting for the same movie. So four people um, spread across those two categories like that, a double-double. And the last time that happened, we did have, like, from that movie, which we'll be talking about very soon, Cloris Leachman and Ben Johnson both won. So we could have two winners again here. Mm. Okay, so now we're on to director, Kenneth Branagh. Right now he's second in Gold Derby. I know I brought this up a couple of weeks ago. And now I think a lot of other people are starting to talk about this as well, that there is potential for him to miss here. Do you think he's in? And what did you think of the direction here? I think he's a fifth or sixth spot. If I were voting, I would not vote for him. Easy. But again, everything else going for it, I could see him getting in just because. I think the direction is not good. And that's me being nice about it. When I was watching the movie, I was like, okay, Kind of like what I said with Titan, like, I will see any movie that Julia de Cornell makes. 
I will not prioritize any movie that Kenneth Branagh makes. This was so messy, and a lot of the other elements we've talked about add to that, but the direction, ugh, I just was so bored. Bored by the direction or the movie just as a whole? Bored by how chaotic it was. I also thought that a lot of the shots were very chaotic. There was one Dutch angle that really just, I had to pause. I needed to pause the movie and collect (laughs) myself. I did not get an opportunity to do that. Some of the shots too, we had these low angle shots, like in particular of Jamie Dornan. And at first I thought, okay, we're doing this buddy's perspective thing. Maybe it's his point of view. Mm -hmm. It wasn't. It was just a choice that I just couldn't quite understand. A lot of the shots were like that to me. The opening of this movie, we really didn't need. I mentioned Mm -hmm. Corporate Retreat earlier. It's also kind of like a Windows screensaver. Like, I just... (laughs) I didn't quite get it. I mean, obviously, I've talked about other parts of the movie that really worked on me and parts of it that I did actually love. Maybe it's just a big tourist ad for Belfast. Like, that's what he wanted to do at the beginning. And the movie as a whole. Do you have him getting in, though? I have him missing now. Oh, amazing. I think now that I've seen it, I do not think that very auteur-friendly branch is going to respond to the direction in this movie. But I do think if he misses director, it's a problem for us in screenplay and in picture. Because I can 100% see the Ben Affleck thing happening for Argo, where the director snub is all that people are talking about, and then he wins screenplay and picture. Final category, getting into picture. Gold Derby has it in second, behind the power of the dog. Woohoo! <laughs> I think it's obvious that this is a nom, but winning-wise, will it continue on? What do you think? I do wonder if it's peaked too early. I agree with you that it's getting nominated. Problem here, not a problem for people who are big fans of this or listed as their favorite movie of the year, is the preferential ballot. Because... Unless there are a lot of voters like you in the Academy, I cannot see a lot of people ranking this low. Like, this is very much a top of the list or upper half of the list movie. Because Mm -hmm. the rest of the things that we're going to get or that we already have could be more polarizing and people might not respond to them as well. This movie does not require you to think. This movie just requires you to feel. Something like The Power of the Dog, like you you were sitting there and you were thinking, thinking, thinking. Mm-hmm. And yes, it's staying in your head after you leave, but it's it's that. Licorice Pizza, I haven't seen it. Might be a feeler, but also is probably going to be one that's odd because all PTA movies are a bit odd. Dune, also a thinker. You have to kind of untangle what's in front of you. And this is just asking you to feel for this little boy and his family. And that's the easiest thing for an Academy member to do. So I have it winning right now. Yeah, with that argument, I I can't fight that, unfortunately. My biggest question right now is how are Licorice Pizza and Nightmare Alley going to play with voters? Those are like the only other chances. I would love The Power of the Dog to win, but like you're saying with the ballot, it might be too niche for a lot of people. Right now, I really hope The Power of the Dog wins. Um do you think there are any other like oddball nominations or things that could get in or that we should consider in other categories that we didn't mention today? I'm going to bring up production design. I could see that happening if they really respond to this movie mm-hmm. because that's a key part of this story. But that's the only other one I can really see. Not costumes, not makeup and hair, 
that's really it. There's just not enough. Like, it's such a small town. There are only so many places, and I don't think in that regard, like, now comparing to Dune, for example, like, there's so much in that movie, so I can see how it can easily get into production design and costumes and whatnot. But that's why I think Belfast is going to stick to those bigger categories. So if you could give this movie one Oscar, what would you give it? I would give it editing. This is the category where, like, I'm not as passionate about the editing of some of the other movies that I've seen. And I could justify its win here. Not even power? You know as well as anyone, I would give that movie, like, ten Oscars. (laughs) But (laughs) the editing in Power of the Dog is masterwork but if i have to choose here i will say editing i can't say supporting actress because i might say that later but the reason i'm saying editing is also because our editor here made a crucial game time decision and that was to convince kenneth branagh to change the ending originally he wanted the movie to return to present day belfast with him in it i mean that makes sense but they should have taken out the beginning too I know. I'm just saying, think of that ending we could have gotten. I mean, the ending we have isn't, like, amazing by any means, but oh my gosh, wow. it could have been that. It could have been, like, an older buddy back in Belfast. I cannot wait to hear what the scene was supposed to be, because, wow. What would you give it? This is a need to give it, not would I give it. I'm going to go screenplay. Um, this is the only one I will allow it to win at the Oscar ceremony. I get the comedy. I get that he's going back to being Buddy, this young kid experiencing life and conflict through his wide eyes. And I think I'm okay with that here. Okay, so now on to King Richard. Description here, Richard Williams serves as a coach to his daughters Venus and Serena, who will soon become two of the most legendary tennis players in history. It's directed by Ronaldo Marcus Green and written by Zach Balin. It stars Will Smith, Anjanou Ellis, John Bernthal, Sanaya Sidney, and Tony Goldwyn. So far through festivals and the awards it's received, it premiered at Telluride, and it's won audience awards at Chicago, Film Fest 919, Heartland, and Philadelphia. This has also been getting a lot of praise, and this is much longer than Belfast, so I think... That's a good sign for it. What did you think of King Richard? I really loved this movie, actually. I responded to it really positively, and I love a sports drama. Absolutely love them. Like, eat them up. I forgive a lot of mistakes in these. I expected, honestly, for it to just be kind of this generic biopic sports movie and to just feel, like, pretty good after seeing it, but... It really connected with me, and that was just such a pleasant surprise. I think that that's due to the performances in this movie. I think the performances are really what make it strong. These actors bring a lot to these characters. I also did think like it is kind of that overlong, algorithmic biopic in a lot of ways, but also it's, it's not. It still worked for me, and even though it is long, I never once, like, checked the time or felt it was really dragging I was just invested in it the whole way what did you think of King Richard I absolutely love this movie yay (laughs) such a twist (laughs) this is a huge 180 happening here I loved everything about this movie and even with a lot of people hyping it 
maybe it worked that it's not like the best picture front runner but i think what it's doing it captures the williams story really well Mm -hmm. and i think it's pretty honest to its characters and i really appreciated that i think the screenplay is great but i think the actors are doing an amazing job too so it's Mm -hmm. kind of being done super well from all angles there's a shot during one of the tennis matches where they show the people's heads going left and right Mm -hmm. following the ball and that is how I felt one during the sports scenes like I loved all of the matches and Mm -hmm. the energy the intensity going on there but I was just totally enraptured by the story and you know watching them grow up in the end not spoiler wise but the end credit sequence they show the real life versions of everything Mm -hmm. of certain things that happen in the movie and it's really spot on yeah so that I really loved as well I think too what I really liked about this was that they didn't dwell on the things that I expected them to really dwell on so I think what worried me going into this movie was because I knew a little bit about Venus and Serena going in I remembered that Venus grew in popularity before Serena she was like the older sibling so I think I was worried we would have this like older sister younger sister conflict at the Mm -hmm. center and they would be there would be a lot of drama between them or they would be fighting or there would be kind of that story that we do get in a lot of like sports movies where there are siblings involved in a similar way to a league of their own I thought we were maybe going to get more of that but I liked how we didn't I liked that it was much more focused on Richard Williams's leadership I will put (laughs) I'll say style and Mm -hmm. the way that he viewed his daughters and the way that Anjanou Ellis plays Brandy Williams and and the way that her relationship works with him and her relationship works with her girls I also didn't realize that Venus and Serena had three other sisters before this movie and I love it it was just like this family dynamic but it just felt really it was wholesome and supportive but it wasn't like sugary sweet like Belfast was Mm -hmm. it actually like talked about the issues that they faced like growing up in Compton playing a really white sport like tennis and the choices that all these characters made to get them to where they wanted to go I also thought it was incredibly inspiring and I did cry when there was a scene when Venus is looking into the mirror and you can just like feel all of this confidence that she has and I was just thinking about like girls and young black girls in particular watching this movie and just like feeling that confidence and they could have done it in a way that just felt like super heavy-handed but it felt so honest to the script and to the story which is what mm-hmm. I really liked about it and you know it's earned the term crowd pleaser but a lot of times crowd pleasers are just kind of another way to be snotty and to say like this movie isn't like high art or it's like not you know some cinematic masterpiece but I feel here like this is a it's a crowd pleaser that has like earned it I really can't Mm -hmm. see people not liking this movie it's super easy to watch and Mm -hmm. maybe it's a tad long but I think the runtime is totally fine my initial worry way back when we did our first predictions was that this movie about Venus and Serena was titled King Richard and it wasn't about them it was about the dad Mm mm-hmm And I think Will Smith as Richard does a great job with this. And that honesty, you know, that troublesome, overbearing fatherly figure that they had, we see all of that. And I felt so 
torn inside when he was basically stifling who they were trying to become. Mm-hmm. And I think that works so well with the family dynamic too, because we see the hard parts. We see them being so close knit and that's real. And I totally agree. I don't think heartwarming needs to be cheesy or super spoon fed to us. And it's not here. I was very emotional during this movie. There was a scene reminded me when I was watching Ted Lasso season two, the Christmas episode, I just burst out in tears, like uncontrollably. I I was like, didn't know where it came from. And that happened to me during this movie. It really captures you and holds you there for the entire movie. I completely agree. So I think it's safe to say that we would both recommend this movie. I feel like this is, I said Belfast is a good Thanksgiving movie, but this is like, if you want to take your family to the movies, like this is the one to pick, I think. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Please see King Richard before you see Belfast. Please. Um, So I think we're going to talk about the performances, talk more about the story, what we liked in our Oscar section. So first up, we have Song. And I think Be Alive by Beyonce has been the front runner in this category. A lot of people are talking about it. I definitely consider it as like my personal choice from what I've heard now to win um, in the category. I think that I'm going to make an exception here. Normally, I've been really hard on end credit songs and feel that songs should be a part of the story. But I think that this end credit song, Beyonce really goes for it. I think that the way that it plays over the footage of Venus and Serena growing up and then them playing tennis together as real life sisters, like once they had their career after this movie, I really loved it and thought it was really effective. It kind of cheats at being an end credit song because it's also not at the same Mm -hmm. time. Like, you don't leave. If you leave during this song, like, shame on you. Because the old pictures and videos are so great. Like, seeing how Venus and Serena support each other in real life was just a great way to end cap this movie. I think Best Original Song as a category is really hard to predict this early on. It comes down to the nitty gritty, and we didn't get it right last year. So I could say it's the front runner, but I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, anything can happen here, but this is a good place to start. I really hope it gets in. It feels like a good contender in this category. So then next we have editing. King Richard was edited by Pamela Martin, who was previously nominated for The Fighter, and Gold Derby currently has this ranked as sixth. What did you think of the editing? I thought the editing was really strong in this movie, especially in the tennis match in practice sequences. I was riveted by it. I know that I'm sure people will think that this movie's too long, but for me, the pacing Mm -hmm. here really worked. And I felt like we spent as much time as we were supposed to kind of in each part of their story. Even during those tennis matches, I didn't feel like it was overly edited as sports movies can be. So I did really like that as well. But I agree, the pacing is great. Everything flows really well, and there's a lot of continuity between focusing on the family and their story and the action of the sports. I think, too, like Pamela Martin being nominated already for The Fighter, like she clearly has experience editing these types of projects. And I think that the Academy will respond well to it. I think when I was watching this movie, I kept thinking like, this is very similar to me to like Ford v. Ferrari, which won editing that year. And 
I think that that branch does respond well to movies like this and the way that this was edited. So I think it deserves to get in. And if we want to talk about that comparison again of editing and sound going to the same movie, which happened with Ford versus Ferrari and Sound of Metal, is it going to be this? Is it going to be Belfast? Dune? What do you think? I don't know if this is going to get a sound nomination, but I think that the other two will. So I think it just depends. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen every year that they align. But I think that this, this to me feels pretty good for a nomination. But it is, I know it's sixth on Gold Derby, but Gold Derby has some cracked stats right now. (laughs) I just want to switch King Richard with all of Belfast's nominations and predictions. (laughs) So I have this in right now too. I I think Belfast and King Richard are going to show up in Mm -hmm. a lot of the same categories. So moving on to screenplay. We talked about this when we were on Chasing the Gold with Ryan McQuaid, but this screenplay was written by Zach Balin, who this is his first feature that he's written. He is working on Creed 3. This is currently on fourth on Gold Derby. What did you think of this screenplay? It feels kind of understated. I think with a lot of the character development and relationship building, it does a really good job of highlighting Richard, I've kind of mentioned this already, but I will say there are certain scenes, we'll get into performances, but that took my breath away. There are some really strongly pointed phrases and conversations that work so, so well and just hammer in what this movie is trying to tell you about family values, et cetera, et cetera. So I really like the screenplay. Again, I hope it gets in. What did you think? I really liked the screenplay too. I also hope it gets in. They really focused on developing these relationships. Also, all of the main characters I feel like in this story get really strong moments and have some good monologues. And I think that the dialogue is really strong and especially Anjanu Ellis's character. Some of the lines that she delivers, I was like, this is spot on, Mm. like what I want to hear from this character. And there's also a lot of humor in it, a lot of charm. So I can definitely see the screenplay connecting with the Academy. But just as far as general audiences go, this screenplay is just very warm. And I think what makes it, besides the performances, a crowd pleaser. I'm harping on what I keep saying, but the dramedy aspect here, I think is so much better than with Belfast, where I feel like the comedy is somewhat forced but here it manages like the comedy of John Bernthal's character for instance really well with the drama I agree and just certain scenes in particular like I love the scene when he Richard forces his whole family to watch Cinderella (laughs) and then makes them like tell him Mm. a lesson from the movie and then like threatens to make them watch it again when they don't say what he wants them to say just little moments like that I feel like really stood out to me in this movie because you can make the case that you should cut scenes like that because it's like, what do they have to offer? But is this just adding to the runtime? But really it highlighted so much about like what that Mm -hmm. family was all about, how those girls were raised and just added more Mm -hmm. comedy to the movie, which I really enjoyed. So now let's get into the acting performances. So of all of the performances, I think... We could even see a SAG Ensemble nomination here because there are a lot of friendly faces that show up throughout. It kind of took me by surprise, but of the main performances that could get nominated, we have Will Smith, 
Anjanu Ellis and John Bernthal. I would put Anjanu Ellis at number one of this movie. I really loved her in this movie. And I know like I kept looking over at you during this movie and being like, (laughs) I love this woman. (laughs) She is so great. She just, I feel like a lot of times in supporting actress too, we get so many moms. And this year will be no exception. Like we will Mm -hmm. have a lot of moms who will be recognized probably mom characters. But her performance, I just felt like I completely understood who this woman was in her first line. Like, you just felt like you were seeing, and I talked about this with Terms of Endearment, but this is an example that you will like, I think. She, to me, just felt Mm -hmm. like a real person. Like, I felt like I knew this woman really early on, and I especially loved her scenes when she was kind of confronting Richard with how he'd been so stubborn in, like, raising these girls and with tennis and just... She does she just lets him have it and I loved that. I also just really enjoyed the scene when after Venus is able to work with Tony Goldwyn but Serena isn't because mm-hmm. he, he only takes one of them. We get this great sequence with really fun editing in it where we see Venus practicing with this pro and then we see Anjanu mm-hmm. coaching Serena <laughs> and I just I loved her in that scene and I feel like that again, just another perk of this movie. It really showed like how committed this family was to Venus and Serena's success, not just in tennis, but really just in like growing up to be really strong, kind, mm-hmm. smart women. I really loved that scene because you don't really see her as a tennis mom, but in this moment you do, and that she has the expertise. Mm-hmm. She's pushing Serena just as hard as Richard is pushing Venus and all of them. And you see so much energy in her acting. And she really nails facial expressions. That's my other favorite thing. Like when she is confronting Richard or not saying anything because she's a mature, like Mm -hmm. very complex, deep person. She just looks at him and then afterwards is like, why didn't you tell me about this? Ugh, so good. (laughs) And like what you've said a few times about how this movie and these characters are real people and showing that these real life people are role models for black children and black women. There's a scene in here where the mom is braiding Venus's hair and just saying, you know, how much people are looking up to her. It doesn't matter if you win or you lose, you know, go out there, have fun. But I think that has a great impact on what this story means and why it needed to be told. So Will Smith, I think, is winning this award. It's pretty apparent, like, from his first moments on screen that he knows who this person is and is really channeling that energy. He has a few teary-eyed scenes, which are probably going to show up for his video at the ceremony, but they come off with a similar impact as Ingenue. And that, I think, speaks to the screenplay especially, but... Their delivery is exactly what I wanted on screen. Yeah. And at the end of the movie, when we have the credits and we see like video of what Richard Williams was like, it's pretty uncanny. Like it doesn't feel like Will Smith is doing an imitation by any means. It just feels like he really understood this character and knew how to emulate him. I think Will Smith's biggest strength to me when I was watching this movie was that this character could come across as horribly annoying. 
He's mm-hmm. so stubborn. He gets in his own way. He gets in his daughter's way. And I think because Will Smith is such a charismatic person and actor, I wasn't really ever annoyed by him. I usually mm-hmm. found it funny and wanted to see where he was going next. Part of that is definitely because, you know, we know who Venus and yeah. Serena become. We know that it works out. But I do think that's part of his performance, too, is that he just he's able to add just so much humor and charisma to the part. There are a few cringy scenes where you really feel his stubbornness and like that mixes well with everything you've said, too. And that last point about, you know, we know how the Williams sisters turn out. I think that's why this movie works so well is because we're rooting for them and we know it's gonna have a happy ending and that's kind of their cinderella moment which just works i really love when will smith is talking to serena and tears he's like she's going to be the number one player in the world but you're going to be the greatest of all time and knowing that he's (laughs) right is just oh tears goosebumps do you want to talk about all of your hot men in the movie john bernthal tony goldwyn oh my god Well, I've always loved John Bernthal. I love Tony Goldwyn. You know, I I feel like tennis pro slash coach between the ages of like 45 and 65, that might be a bucket for me. Like that might be one of my types. Let it be known the moment Tony Goldwyn came on screen with his like Ray-Ban glasses and tucked in polo. I'm pretty sure you like gasped. Wow, I I hate that for me. That's okay. Anyway, he's not the performance we're going to talk about, even though he was great. Long live Fitz. John Bernthal, I thought was hilarious in this movie and was perfect. I've always, like, outside of this movie, Mm -hmm. really liked him. It's pretty clear. I'm not going to explain why. I think everyone can guess why. But I thought that he was, like, a perfect fit for this character. Is this, like, very particular type of Florida tennis coach makes all of these promises, but is actually a really good guy. He added more comedy to the part. I think when the movie could have slowed down or maybe felt like it was dragging, I feel like his performance really kept the energy up. He and Will Smith also had great chemistry in their scenes together. Mm-hmm. When their banter back and forth I thought was great. So I would love to see John Bernthal get a nomination. So would I. Before this movie... I kind of had trouble with him. Like, I didn't really love him because he was this Guido character. He was always playing the same-ish kind of Guido character, like either mad or just buff and angry. But him playing... (laughs) These are all all positives. I'm not seeing negatives here, (laughs) but continue. But him playing a Florida tennis ranch owning coach like that's just Mm -hmm. there is an element of camp to it and seeing how frustrated he was getting in his scenes with Richard Williams just exemplified a different side to him I think that I hadn't really seen before so I enjoyed his entire performance here so I enjoyed his entire performance here now let's move on to directing this was directed by Ronaldo Marcus Green He directed Monsters and Men, if you remember that one, which won Outstanding First Feature at Sundance. 
He also made Joe Bell, which is like a weird Mark Wahlberg movie that we can pretend didn't happen. He's currently ninth on Gold Derby, but what do you think about his direction here? It's not showy, which I don't mind. I liked it. But I think for voters, if we're talking about this in an awards perspective, might be harder just because this is his first bigger budget movie and he hasn't been recognized by the Academy before, which I think a lot of the other directors that have potential to get nominated even Guillermo del Toro PTA Denis Jane they've all been nominated or have won before so I think it could be hard for him I would like to see him get in over a certain somebody else but I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't make it I feel the same way I really like this movie and how it came together so I'd love to see him get recognized even if it's at Mm -hmm. precursor awards we also literally never have black directors nominated nearly ever so i feel like this category is shaping up to be very Mm -hmm. white and it would be good to see him here but i do think that this branch they go for the like auteur risky filmmakers who seem to have this like grand vision that they have complete control over so i do have him missing i know i had him in predictions a couple weeks ago but i think that with things like titan really building buzz and Um, A lot of projects really waiting in the wings. Like Steven Spielberg is still a possibility we have to consider. Um, (laughs) Mm. I have him missing right now. But I did think the direction of this movie was good. He didn't make any decisions where I was like, Mm -hmm. why did you do that? That's an odd choice. I agree. So last big category, best picture. It's currently fifth on Gold Derby. Again, I think this is an easy nomination for a win. I don't know if I have that much faith in the Academy, even with the preferential ballot. I think that could help it here, but probably not as much as Belfast, sadly. I think it'll get in. I think with the best actor frontrunner and Will Smith and just being, like we've said a million times now, a big crowd pleaser, I just can't imagine. I can see a good amount of the Academy picking this as their first choice movie. And if we have 10 slots this year... This feels like it's ready to go. I know Warner Brothers being behind it too, that's definitely helpful. Like having a big studio who knows how to campaign, um, I think they'll know what to do with it. And I think it'll definitely get in. As far as winning goes, it doesn't feel like a best picture winner to me. But but I do think it has a good shot as being like one of the top Mm -hmm. five finishers. That's how I see it. If we could see the votes again, please release the votes. I think one thing that's a little disappointing is that it didn't open at a lot of the big film festivals. You said earlier that it premiered at Telluride, but it wasn't at TIFF where Belfast won the Audience Award. And we mentioned earlier that Belfast also won at Middleburg, which King Richard was at. It also premiered at AFI. Um, It's been in London, Chicago. It opened the American Black Film Festival, so it's been at festivals. This isn't a this isn't a case where it's like mass, where it just didn't appear anywhere. Like they are mm-hmm. pushing it around, and people are seeing it, so they're putting the work in. But yeah, not having TIFF there to like fight for the People's Choice Award, I do wonder what would have happened. But I do think it still would have been Belfast. Like it just Belfast just feels like that kind of movie. And what about any other categories? Can you see it getting in? So I don't think it's going to get in here, but um, maybe keep an eye on cinematography because it was shot by Robert Ellswit, who shot There Will Be Blood. So he is a like well-known DP. 
I wouldn't be shocked if he somehow like gets into the ASC mm-hmm. Guild Awards or something like that. There are some great shots that I think give the movie some texture, but there's really nothing that's in your face. And I really like that. Mm-hmm. But there's enough variety to keep you interested and to not get bored. I don't think it's going to happen, but I don't think it missing here means anything for other awards. I will say, come summer, I will only be wearing Richard Williams shorts. (laughs) I did enjoy the shorts. (laughs) And if you could give this movie one Oscar, what would it be? It would be for Anjanou Ellis. She is the star of this movie to me, which is kind of crazy to say. I guess I didn't think that going in, but I really loved her performance. What would you give it? This is really hard to decide because... Part of me wants to say original song Mm. for Beyonce because I did Mm -hmm. really like that song and how it played. But, oh, Anjanou's a good pick. I'm going to spread the wealth here. And I'll just say Will Smith for best actor. He gives what I would consider to be a career best performance here. And he gets Venus and Serena's seal of approval, of course. So... And he's been nominated twice before for Ali and the Pursuit of Happiness. So I think... In a way, it's a for his time or that, you know, he's deserving of it and we're going to give it to him. But he really is deserving of it here. And to have two other noms, I think he's ready. So go see Belfast and King Richard and let us know what you think about these two movies. Next week, we will be discussing, finally, my favorite movie of the year so far, The Power of the Dog, directed by Jane Campion. It'll be in theaters. It won't be on Netflix until December, but if you are able to go see it in theaters, definitely do it. It's worth it to me. It's such a great theatrical experience. I just absolutely love my time watching this movie, so I am excited to talk about it and defend it next week. And along with The Power of the Dog, we'll also be talking about Jane's other movie that really catapulted her into the Oscars, which is The Piano. It had eight Oscar nominations and and won three Oscars for screenplay, supporting actress for Anna Paquin, and lead actress for Holly Hunter. I haven't seen this and I have put it off for so long. I don't know why, but I'm really excited to watch this and to see how the piano and the power of the dog contrast. Riveting sensual cinema. (laughs) Jane knows what she's doing. Okay. And this is nice because Jane has mentioned that The piano is all about the female gaze and the power of the dog is about the male gaze. So this is a nice pairing that we're doing, I think, for this episode. And the piano is on Netflix. So if you do want to watch that, definitely go to Netflix and check that out. Thank you all for listening. Feel free to rate, review, and subscribe. And you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Oscar Wilde Pod. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye.